Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Hello, welcome back to PR360. On today's show, I'm speaking with Jordan Mendoza, a Universal Now reporter at USA Today. He spent his childhood hanging out at the Rose Bowl and reading newspapers, got his start in journalism as the editor-in-chief of the Daily Titan at Cal State Fullerton, and now he's a reporter for USA Today. His normal beat is trending content and breaking news, but he was also on the scene for the horrific aftermath of the Lunar New Year shooting in Monterey Park a few months ago. So uh, welcome to the show, Jordan. Is there anything I missed in your bio? Uh, nope, that's that's me right there. Okay, so I, I do something kind of similar in my day job. I write trending content and breaking news for a company called Upworthy. Uh, what's a day like doing that same kind of gig at USA Today? Yeah, I mean, no day is ever really the same, um, just because you don't, some days you don't really know what you're going to be doing, and there's some days where you do know what you're going to be doing. Um, A lot of times, uh, a typical day is just looking at um, the trending news and seeing, you know, what's driving the the biggest stories um, in our country and around the world. And there are other days where you're doing your work, and all of a sudden, a breaking news thing happens, and you have to jump on that. So there's a lot of stuff where you sometimes you do know what you're doing, sometimes you don't know what you're going to be doing. And a lot of stuff is changing, and you're having to pivot to a lot of different um, types of things. So how do you get your news stories when it comes to doing a trending content story? Is it just your, your editor comes at you and goes, hey, Jordan, you got to write about this? Or is it something that you find and then bring to your editor? What's the, the story pitch process like? Yeah, I would say it's a good mixture of um, both finding my own stuff and, you know, editors um, finding it for us. Um, certainly when there's big news, there's big heavy news you know, that our editors are going to be telling us who's going to be doing what and, you know, stuff like that. When it's not when stuff like that isn't happening, um, I'm looking at what people are talking about on social media, looking at Google Trends, looking at like a lot of trending data to see what's gaining the most attention from people. And so, yeah, it is a mixture of being told what to do, but um, there is a good amount of time that I spent where I'm finding stories and then pitching them to our editors and then getting the okay to do that. Oh, so where do you get the data to see what's trending? So usually we have a lot of um, tools that we use that our company has created to hopefully, you know, um, I guess, edge out competitors when it comes to breaking news and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, Google Trends is the biggest... um, is one of the biggest tools that we use. I would definitely say like Twitter, like what's trending on there um, and seeing like, you know, like the hashtags and things like that. I definitely would say that that's definitely incredibly helpful just because you're able to see, um, you know, how many people are talking about what at a given time period. Yeah. And even like stuff like on like other social media sites. So like Instagram, Facebook, really just there's so many different types of methods that we're using to find stuff that it's never really ending. Can you think of an instance recently when you found something that was trending on Twitter that you were able to get to uh, for Universal Now before anybody else? Uh, yeah. So actually, there was an instance um, yesterday with the um, you know shooting that happened um, at a Christian school um, in Nashville. Uh, there was a moment where the um, they were having a press conference, um, the police were, and there was a person that came out 
and said kind of like took over the uh, the microphones and kind of said like isn't this awful like aren't you guys tired of covering this and this woman mentioned that she was in a a mass shooting that uh, she survived Um, and immediately that started taking off storm um, on social media and uh, luckily we were one of the people um, first people that were actually able to get in contact with her and kind of talk to her about why she um, why she did that and, you know, what was going through her mind and, you know, why was, she, you know, why was she in the area? And so really that was one of something that we were able to beat out a lot of competitors. Um, I saw a lot of people were trying to get in contact with her and luckily we were able to, um, you know, find her phone number and be able to speak to her, um, fairly quickly after she gave that speech, um, in Nashville. Wow. And do you know why she chose to speak with, uh, USA Today above anyone else, or was it just because you were, you know, you were the first in her ear? It could have been. I mean, I know, you know, when when people, you know, when there's people that people are trying to get in contact to on social media, you'll see their, you know, Twitter replies or whatever it is be flooded with like interview requests. Luckily, we were just able to um, get a chance to speak with her. Um, we were able to, you know, get her phone number, and she was, you know, willing to speak with us. You know, which were ever so grateful because, you know, we never want to pressure anybody to speak with us or if they don't feel like speaking with us, you know, they don't have to. But um, luckily enough, she wanted to speak with us and, you know, gave us a very detailed reason about why she was there and a lot of stuff. And we're really grateful and we were able to produce that story um, before a lot of people could. Lots of times uh, working with Upworthy, we come up across a problem when you're doing breaking news is that social media algorithms will tend to block stories at a certain point, right? Like if something big happens and all the major news outlets are writing about it, it's like the story just gets stomped on by social media uh, before it has a chance to get out because already other people are reporting on it. Uh, a, do you ever have that ex- this experience? And if you do, do you know how to get around it? Yeah, I mean, you know, especially like when major news happens, every and every outlet is reporting on it. Um, it can get tough to like kind of get lost in you know all the in the thick of it. And really, um, you know, what we're trying to do um, when stories like that happen is we're trying to set ourselves apart to where it's information that you might not get um, from another out from most outlets, or we can present it in a clear, concise way that makes it really easy to follow for our readers. Um, and I think that's kind of what we've been very successful at is making sure that our formats of our stories is easy to follow. Like it's not just a bunch of words you're seeing on a, you know, on a, on a website and you're kind of like, okay, like, well, how does this, what is this, is this, is this really news? Is this pertain to anything and stuff like that? And so I think us trying to make sure that we are appealing to readers and making sure that um, we are making putting up language on social media that you know kind of captures our reach attention while also giving them really informative information at the same time I think is really how you can get out of the I guess the the tumbleweed of news that's going to be just rolling around throughout social media yeah because that's a problem at upworthy we're always trying to deal with of knowing like how to how to get around the algorithm and how to how to get past the uh Facebook overlords that want to dictate what everybody sees. In addition to, you know, doing kind of trending and breaking news content, you go out uh, on, on you know, the scene of major events and report. Uh, you recently covered the tragic Monterey Park shooting outside of Los Angeles. Um, I believe it was about 19 people killed that day. Mm-hmm. 
And when you get to a scene like that, that's just so horrific, how do you know where to start or who to talk to or how to make sense of it? Yeah, I mean, it, I would say definitely that entire um, situation was probably one of the toughest assignments I've ever had in my entire life. And when I started, uh, when I was first on the scene, it was the early morning afterwards because the shooting happened late um, late at night the night before. And so I got there early in the morning. And really the first thing you want to do is get a sense of where you're at. You don't want to go in there blindly and, you know, just think you know what you're doing. You really want to go in there and understand, okay, where am I at here? Um, is this, it, what's the community like here? What is, what are the people like here? And so really um, when I first got there, you know, I kind of assessed what you know the community was like and start to just kind of talk to people about you know oh are you from here you know what is it you know is are you doing okay what is it like um the city here and stuff like that and so you, i guess you really try to set yourself with a good foundation so that way you know with the more reporting you're going to be doing throughout you know the next hours or even more even days you have a good um starting point to where you're not um kind of seeming um a little bit uh, I guess you you don't really know what's happening. And so, yeah, I would say that, you know, just making sure I know where I'm at, it sounds really simple, but um, it really helps in the long run of making sure that you are also knowing where you're at and also being sensitive to the entire um, situation. Because I feel like sometimes there are reporters that, you know, could see this and just be like, oh, this isn't, yeah, this is horrific, but you don't really understand that a lot of people are going through their emotions really heavily th throughout this entire time. And so um, you always want to make sure you're staying super sensitive, you know, and, you know, understand people's emotions and feelings um, when something like this happens. Uh, is there anything that specifically stands out from that day that, that you won't forget or a person that you talked to that really drilled home what had happened? Yeah, I mean, there were so many people that were just, you know, in shock and, and just absolutely disbelief. And I think some people that stood out to me were the ones that really saying like they're like they just couldn't believe that this had happened in their own city and especially like you know i'm from southern california and it wasn't far from where i grew up you know it was it was tough to see people like so in complete shock and you know and they didn't have there were some people that didn't even have like people that they knew that were at the scene or uh, like you know like were um hurt anything like that but it still shook them to their core and really just seeing people kind of like talk about like, you know, this is a really strong community and this is a place where um, we band together and, you know, we're strong and we come through so many different backgrounds, but, you know, we stick together. There were so many people that were really like, you know, like, yes, like this was a horrific situation, but, you know, we're strong and we're going to stick together. And it was really just like, you know, it's very emotionally like, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is a, a lot happening right now. But yeah, those those talking to those people, I think, was definitely ones that I'm always going to um, stick out to me whenever I think back on um, the work I did there. Yeah, that is incredible. Now, obviously, as somebody who is, you know, just a couple years out of college, I, I bet it was shocking to you, or you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I bet it was shocking to you that you just so early in your career, you were at such a historic, you know, not to you know, such a historic tragedy. And I, I would figure in my head, I'd be like, oh, that's something that comes down the road with experience, not this early in my career. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely don't want to look at it as like, a, like, oh, I already got to cover this because, you know, you never want to cover these situations. Like when this news happens, the last thing you want to do is for it to happen. 
Um, but uh, I think, honestly, I feel like I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do when it comes to covering like these tragic situations that kind of unfortunately keep happening. And I take that knowledge and kind of, you know, experience with me into, you know, whatever I'm going to be covering next to remember how to go forward with it, how to go forward with it in the future. So yeah, I, and obviously, you know, I didn't, you know, no one wants to cover these things and no one wants them to happen, but, um, to have that experience and kind of, you know, understanding, I think is eventually, you know, it'll pay off and help, help me and hopefully help other reporters in uh, kind of understanding how to be professional while also knowing how to carefully handle these situations that are, you know, very troubling for a lot of people. Well, thank you so much for being so candid about that. I imagine it's something that uh, is still tough to talk about. To pivot a little bit, you also do a bit of sports writing for USA Today. Uh, and you're in, in a world with so many different sports pundits and people talking about things on social media. What makes a great sports writer stand out? Um, I think a good sports writer could honest like could really get someone to talk about like something that's really like they're really passionate about. Um, like for me, like when I'm writing stories, I'm trying to talk to people that um, are either really connected to something or, uh, you know, feel really passionate about. And I would definitely say, like, the best sports writers out there are the ones that, you know, don't write about what's happening on the field or on the court. They write about, um, you know, what these people are do with their everyday lives or what they did in their past, you know, in their past or really just what they're, the person's like away from the sport. And reading those stories, I think, really gives fans or really just people in general a good look at, you know, like these are like, yes, they're super talented athletes, but they have amazing stories or they come from an amazing background or they do this one thing that's amazing to do and, you know, things like that. Um, And so I think people that are able to talk to those type of people and get able to like present the emotions and feelings that these people, that these athletes have for, you know, whatever passion it is or what they're talking about. To me, I feel like those are the best sports writers. You know, I, recently there's a there was on Netflix a special called I think it was Facing Nolan or Facing Ryan about the great pitcher Nolan Ryan who pitched for the Angels and uh, mm-hmm. pitched for the Astros and the Texas Rangers, and I thought that was a brilliant piece because you didn't just learn about obviously the guy could throw a hell of a fastball, but it was really about. Uh, what his life was like behind the scenes and dealing with everything he dealt with as an athlete and how he approached his family. And I thought it was just so compelling because this guy was such kind of a Herculean, I don't know, like a John Wayne figure. And then to see Mm -hmm. his personal life kind of exposed for what seemed to me like the first time, I thought it was really moving. And I I, I guess that's the kind of thing you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, like, especially like when you see like those Netflix documentaries now where you kind of can look at, you know, follow athletes throughout the like, I guess, you know, like, like, I guess the show Full Swing would be a good example of, you know, seeing these athletes, what it's like um, on the golf course, but then be able to see what they're like when they're not at home and how much, you know, they love playing the sport, you know, like the, they, they play it for their family and how much their family enjoys it. Those to me, like I would think are the best stories because it, you, you know, you peel back a layer that you don't see that you don't, you hardly ever see like on the TV screen when you're watching, you know, these matches happen live. 
Uh, and most importantly, as somebody with a bit of a background in sports, uh, how great is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be for the Las Vegas Raiders next year? I'm very excited as a season ticket holder, and I want you with in-depth knowledge of sports to confirm to me that it's going to be a fantastic year. <laughs> I mean, I, I know there's a lot of people that are hoping that it's going to be fantastic. Um, you know, I know I know a lot of Raider fans are excited You know, to have Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. I know some 49er fans are probably hurt that he's leaving, but it's, I mean, I, you know, I can never predict anything correctly in sports ever. That's why I try to stay away from it. But I mean, all the signs are pointing to good signs for Las Vegas. That's what I wanted to hear. That's the whole reason why we got you on this show. (laughs) Um, As we wind things up, I know, you know, this is a show that is kind of based on communications and public relations. Mm -hmm. In, in trending content or any of the reporting you do, uh, what role do kind of PR pitches and press releases have in what you cover? Yeah, I mean, you know, press releases are super um, helpful when you're covering something that has to, like, you know, trying to get breaking news and you're trying to just literally get any sort of, like, official information on, you know, what you can build off of. Um, I would definitely say, though, that PR pitches have come in handy a lot um, as a kind of built my um i guess built my career because you know as i start writing about more and more specific things um you start i start to get things that are relevant to these specific things so yeah like when it comes to like breaking news like follow-ups for example getting those pr pitches and seeing like oh we have an expert available that you know has worked on this stuff or you know has studied this stuff um is really incredibly helpful to help get some like um perspective on things um get new fresh takes on that you know we're trying to um keep relevant but yeah like you know like i get pr pitches in my emails like you know a bunch every day and some you know some of them are relevant to me some of them aren't um but the ones that are uh they are you know they can be really incredibly helpful and you know because sometimes um, we're trying to find an expert or we're trying to find someone to speak on something. And sometimes we can just get caught in like in a dead end for hours or even days on end. Um, and so sometimes like you get those PR pitches and you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, I need to keep this contact uh, for like the my entire career. But yeah, like those like basically anytime we can get any official um, comment or any official, I guess, expert talk in our stories, like really it's a it's a huge benefit, not to us, but only our, our readers, too. I appreciate the unique perspective of someone who's kind of starting out in journalism in a world that's been changing so much Uh and with social media and just the speed of information these days. Do you have any idea? I know you don't make predictions for sports, but do you have any idea what you think journalism is going to look like in 10 to 15 years? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, journalism, I feel like it's changing every like day and, and it's like even trying to like look at it from like a year from now, you know, who knows, but I definitely think there will still be a need for journalism without a doubt in the next 10 to 15 years, it'll still be needed. Um, I think a lot of what audiences want to know now though, are a lot, um, they want to get straight to the point when it comes to their news coverage, they want to understand like right off the bat, like, okay, what is happening and how is this going to affect people or how is this going to affect me and how are we going to move forward with this? Um, so I think journalism um, is definitely getting a lot more concise. Well, thank you so much, Jordan Mendoza, for joining us on the show today. Uh, you gave some great insights and thank you for talking about some difficult things. For everybody out there that wants to follow Jordan and see what he's writing about, you can follow him on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mendoza. That's with a Z. 
That's at Jordan underscore Mendoza five, the number five on Twitter. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.